Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Jesus Christ, our Savior, hath broken asunder the bonds of death. Alleluia. Jesus Christ, our Savior, has overthrown the kingdom of darkness. Alleluia. Jesus Christ, our Savior, has the victory over sin and death. Alleluia. Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Happy Feast of the Resurrection. Tonight we celebrate the principal feast of the church, not only tonight, but throughout time. And though our numbers seem small tonight, I think there's one person for every year that the Lord Jesus Christ lived on the earth. I think I counted 33. But we are celebrating the principal feast. Every other service, every other celebration of the Eucharist is a living out of tonight. This is the church's feast of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. What happened on this day, the 40 hours that Jesus was in the tomb? So often we hear that Jesus rose after three days. In actual fact, he rose on the third day, not after three days. In the Jewish culture, the day went from sundown to sundown. And so Jesus dies on the cross at 3 p.m. on Friday. A few hours later, after his body had been taken down from the cross, the sun set the end of the first day. From that sundown to the sundown on Saturday evening was the second day. And then sometime after sundown on the second day, sometime toward morning, the tomb was opened. And our God, Jesus Christ, came forth in great victory over sin and death forever. And it is this victory that he offers to us. So whatever you do, don't tell anybody. <laughs> See how silly that sounds? If we believe that in, in, indeed that God himself has come in the person of Jesus. He's not raised up a prophet or sent an angel into the world. That God himself has come into this world and was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary and was born in this world and died to confront sin and death on the cross and was raised in victory. How silly would it sound to say, but don't tell anyone. No, we are to proclaim it. And what is, what is it, the very first thing that Jesus does after his death? 
he goes and he proclaims it to those who had died before his coming. To Adam and to Eve and to Abraham and to Moses and to Elijah and to David and to John the Baptist who died before Jesus died. He goes and he proclaims. So often we think of Jesus dying on the cross and going to the Father. But what is one of the first things that Jesus says when he rises from the dead? He tells Mary, do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Christ did not ascend to the Father after his death. He descended to the place of the dead to proclaim life to those who sat in the darkness, to those who were in the chains of death, to those who were separated and alienated from God, and to those in paradise who longed for the coming of the Messiah. We say in the Apostles' Creed, you said it tonight, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Now, this is not the eternal hell, what is known as Gehenna in the Hebrew, the lake of fire that we hear about in Revelation. In fact, if you read that passage in Revelation, you'll see that Hades is called to give up its dead so that those who have rejected the gift of salvation in Christ Jesus will go into the lake of fire with Lucifer and all of his apostate angels. No, this is the word Hades in Greek, or Sheol in Hebrew. It's the place of the dead. It's where the souls went. Because sin had been introduced into the world by, and I'll give you two choices, by God or by us. And the answer is us. So many people say, why did God create evil? God did not create evil. God created all things and said it was good. We introduce sin into his creation. We introduce suffering and death. We're the ones who messed it up. But he did not abandon us to that. No, after he died on the cross... We are told that he descended to the dead and he proclaimed to the dead the good news of life and salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, for Christ also died for sins once for all. Thanks be to God. He died for sins once for all. That means for you, for me. Every time we have flubbed it, he died for our forgiveness. 
You don't have to atone for your sins. And good thing. Do you know why? Because you can't. You can never make up to God for sin. And so God does it for us. So he dies once for all. The righteous, that is Christ, for the unrighteous, that is us, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and preached to the spirits in prison. What do you think he preached? The good news that he had conquered sin and death. That the gates of Hades had been broken. In Acts 2, verse 25 and following, For thou, O God, wilt not abandon my soul to Hades, nor let thy Holy One see corruption. That is, the Father will not abandon the soul of his Son, Jesus Christ, to the place of the dead. He doesn't go there as a captive. He goes there as the victor. And he will not allow his body, which is in the tomb, to see corruption. For it is the temple. It is the temple. And this is spoken of in Acts 2, 25 and following. For thou, O God, will not abandon my soul to hell, to Hades, nor let thy Holy One see corruption. Brethren, St. Luke writes, I'm sorry, he, he's quoting another. I may say to you confidently of the patriarch David, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants upon his throne, he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. He doesn't go there as a captive. He goes there as the victor. I remember being little and playing uh, capture the flag with lots of my uh, neighbors. I was about 30. No, uh, and when I was younger. My brother, my brother Rob and I would be playing, and, you know, uh, I would always get captured. I wasn't a fast little kid. And every once in a while, you know, I'd see my brother coming, and I'd wonder... Is he coming to set me free? Because if you, if you get tagged, you get to go free, right? Or was he caught too and is being sent to prison with me? Right. It depended on the day. But Christ, when he was coming and the dead beheld him, they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what to believe. But he didn't come as a captive. He came and he raised them up out of death. He raised them up out of the tombs. And he gave them new life and the breath of the resurrection. 
in Revelation 1.12 and following, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. This is why, by the way, uh, in, in many traditional Anglican churches, there are the six candles in the back on the rare, on the re-table. They, they represent uh, the, the seven lampstands, and some say that with the sanctuary lamp, there, there's the perfect number of seven, and others say that when the bishop comes, the seventh candle then is, is put out. Either way, that's what they, they represent. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. On turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden girdle round his breast. His head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined as in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars from his mouth. From his mouth issued a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. We need not be afraid. He has the keys. Years ago, I was living for a time doing some ministry in Minnesota in preparation for ordained ministry. And I went to um, the life of Jesus. It was a production put on by this uh, large uh, mega church. They called the head pastor there the mayor because he had so many people in his church. It was bigger than the, the his, his number of parishioners was bigger than the actual uh, uh, town that they were in. So they called him the mayor. But they would once a year transform their sanctuary and make it into Jerusalem and the entire life of Christ would unfold. In fact, the... the the scene of his death was like something I will never forget because I felt like I was there. It was absolutely incredible. And I, I was pretty sure that that man was being crucified. They warned people that if they had a heart condition, that the sound of the thunder and the, the sound of the earth shaking with the earthquake when Jesus delivers over his spirit uh, could impact them negatively. And so they should be aware of that. But when Jesus said, it is finished, and bowed his head, and bowed his head, the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled, and then there was complete darkness. And then there was the most horrible sounds I've ever heard in my life wailing, crying, and screaming 
and it was in complete darkness. And suddenly balls of fire were shooting up from the ground up into the, towards the ceiling of this great place. And then in the far right-hand corner of the sanctuary, up by the ceiling, uh, came uh, Christ the victor with his cross. And he descended down into what I came to understand was hell. In Hades. Then as the light started to come up with the flames a bit, you could see the dead in the chains and the demons running in fear. And Christ came down. And I remember the person who played Christ going like this. And the devil was, Satan was holding the keys of death and he, he retreated back. And so Christ went like this again and he retreated all the more and then Christ went like this again and then the Satan figure crawled up to Christ and handed him the keys of Hades and death. And then Jesus, the, the, the victor, grabbed Adam and Eve out of two tombs and ascended up and out. And then everything went dark again, and then the next thing, the stone was being rolled away. Absolutely incredible. I hope we can do it next year here in our church. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Fear not, says the Lord. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death in Hades. Not the devil. Jesus. There's no reason to fear death anymore because Jesus is the door. He is the way and the truth and the life. Revelation 20, verse 11 and following, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Also another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, by what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead in them. And all were judged by what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire and were no more. This is the great victory that we celebrate today. Our God reigns. Our God is the victor. Our God is life. He is your life. This is why we exist, to make him known. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia.